everyone, this is Veronica with Horsemanship Unlocked, an equine education and entertainment company with the motto that the horse already possesses all the natural skills and behaviors we so desire. Through the study of applied learning theory and relationship building, we can unlock the horse's highest potential. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the equine entertainment industry, explain training methodology, share experiences in horsemanship, and much more. And don't forget to check out our website, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest and greatest news, updates, online lectures, and clinic and performance schedules. See you there! One, uh, you know me, I'm Veronica, and this is my friend Matt. Hello. Here today, because we want to just have a conversation about him and his horse, Quattro, and applied learning theory and classical and operant conditioning that he's been using. So I've worked with Matt before in the past, and then I got to see Matt recently, um, right before COVID hit, for his request, for his request to come work with him and his horse, I got to do a clinic out at the place that he rides at. And let me sell you. <laughs> this horse is a very unique individual. I have, there's one quattro, and he's super intelligent, and he's an awesome horse, but Man, man, Matt has done wonders with this horse, and it is quite the project, but the progress is just phenomenal because you didn't just get like a old broke trail horse. You really have something to look at and appreciate how far you've come. So, uh, and then when COVID hit, Matt, since our meeting in February, we've been chatting one-on-one, -on -one and he's been using actually a lot of operant and classical conditioning to help his horse get over a lot of things. Uh, so Matt, can you describe to everybody your relationship with Quattro, how you got involved with this horse? Tell me about this horse. As Matt knows, I call him a deer. He is indeed <laughs> <'Cause> a deer. <laughs> <laughs> he's a deer, but for, for great measure, he's just, he had a, I think, a rough upbringing, a rough yeah. past. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you take it away, Matt. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I first, when I first saw Quattro, it was when I first met the Passos, him and his two brothers. And what struck me at first is that no one handled them. So when they were brought in from their paddock, they just opened the door, the Passos came in, and they put themselves into their stalls. Mm -hmm. That was their total contact with humans. And all um, the deer. Yeah. <laughs> and they told me that one of the horses was kind of crazy. One of the horses liked to bite people. And the last horse didn't like people at all and was very afraid of people because he'd been abused as a foal by his breeder. So I took an interest in the, the last horse, who was Quattro. Uh, when I started, I didn't know how bad it was at first, to be honest. I didn't realize how much damage was there. But I started first, you know, just standing outside with him. And even when I'd go into the paddock, he would go to the other side of the paddock behind his friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the extent of our contact at first. Then it was staying in the stall with him and things like that, but just sitting with him. Like it, it took me months to be able to even take him on little walks just up to the arena indoor and then back. 
And Crimson, who owns the stable, has always told me, no, you walk on the inside arena and please take one of his friends with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but... Amazing. But something about him really stuck with me. The fact that as I spent more time with him, he was still curious about things. He was still interested in things. He, uh, he was scared of people, but other things, you know, he'd explore and he'd look at them. And with me, as I built up his trust with him, he wanted to, he started peeking at me more. He started coming over for treats. He started taking an interest in me when I was out there, not just in a, ah, I'm scared, I'm going to run away from you, but in, oh, it's that person who gives me carrots sometimes. So maybe I'll just hang out in the middle instead of all the way on the other side. So you started to form a relationship with him. Um, mm -hmm. Let me ask you, how was Quattro different from the horses you were used to being around and riding? I know that when I met you, you had been vaulting on a Pertron. <laughs> had a Pasofino that was quite, you know, who had never been handled. Well, you know, Jaeger doesn't care about anything. So that's one big difference there, you know. Uh, my, I actually started really late with horses. Like my first ride was when I was 25. Mm -hmm. And that was a, my first trail ride ever. Wow. And um, that's, that's a story. But um, <laughs> apart from that, I'd ridden a Mustang who was used on and off for lessons but he was more, he was more woe than go. Mm -hmm. And I'd ridden horses who were very stable, very, like I'd pretty much ridden less than horses up to that point is the easiest way to put it. Horses that you can put a kid on and let the kid go and it's fine. So because horses that were quite comfortable in their environment, quite yeah, comfortable, very, very adapted to the human world. Whereas Quattro, yes. we, he was not, he was not. He was, he was not, no. very frightened of the human world. And, and I give you, to just hear you say that you didn't even start till you were 25 and you're new. I mean, gosh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I didn't know that. I wouldn't know that because you, the learning you have done is not just, you know, willy nilly get on and go. You've really taken an active role in your learning with a very critical mind. And I think this horse obviously helped you quite a bit with that because sometimes with those really confident horses a lot of people think you know that you can't make a wrong move and that's not necessarily true you can you can make a wrong move with any horse but you know the moves that you make with quattro they really every single one has to mean something and it has to be in that direction you want to go every mm -hmm. single interaction because he didn't have any interactions yeah. um and i want to tell everybody too that this is an amazing story. When I met Matt and he was into vaulting and, and then I got to meet Quattro, this was 2018. So this was at a time where they had just started and he said, hey, this is my paso. He's just letting me touch him and, and work with him. And then he said that he uh, developed a rearing issue because the horse was attached to Matt. And so when Matt would walk away from him, like on the cross ties and Quattro couldn't go with, he would rear. <laughs> I was like, well, here's a good thing that we can do. He's the horse. We want him to be confident and comfortable in his environment. And so he does not, we can't discipline him. I mean, you really, 
don't need to discipline any horse. You need to discipline would be not the word to just keep your boundaries. Mm. You know, that's not discipline. That's just maintaining the law, maintaining the boundaries. So, but people, lots of people discipline their horse for actions. Um, and obviously rearing is a common one that people would say you need to discipline the horse, but looking at Quattro, just getting used to touching, getting touched by humans, they said, this is not, we had to read his behavior. This is not out of a mean, aggressive behavior. This is an attachment issue. This is anxiety. So when Matt and I talk, um, it actually relates a lot to my life and anxiety and, and humans, because I think, you know, we call him a deer because he's, he means well, he's trying, but he's a big ball of anxiety. And so when we were dealing, you know, conversing with the rear thing, tell them what you actually ended up, bleh, ooh, words, tell them what you ended up doing with that. I actually assigned a command to it. So he yeah. would learn to rear on command. And once he got it down, he started thinking, well, rearing is something I do when I'm told. Rearing is a trick and it's not as fun anymore. It doesn't get me the attention that it doesn't get him back over to me. Mm -hmm. And you, you didn't discipline him. No. You kept building his confidence by saying, Hey, okay. You know, if you're going to rear because, you know, we're having attachment issues, I'm not going to reward you by giving you my attention. But if I put a button on it, now I can control it. Mm -hmm. Then he stopped doing that when you would, you know, once you had control over it or your button, let's say, like he stopped doing it just on his own, right? He would only do it when you asked. Yeah, pretty much. Like there were obviously a few times in the months after where he'd rear up if I was gone for a period of time, but now I can leave him in the cross ties for, you know, five, 10 minutes and he might pace a bit, but he won't rear anymore. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, and had we taken a different approach and disciplined him, I think you would have just taken 10 steps back. Yeah. yeah to even, regain even this nurse's trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even more than 10. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So tell me more about what you guys have been, or, or tell everybody what we've been talking about recently. Now Matt's been riding him and doing great things. And this horse is very intelligent and this horse will do things still being cautious of the world. So we're really just working on a pause and letting him relax. Mm -hmm. He's so smart, but you can, you can see it in his moving his feet that actually when I saw you over the winter, sometimes if we gave your horse a pattern, he got it. But if we asked him to halt in the middle, that was the hardest part. So yeah. can you tell everyone what you've been working on this spring? Uh, we've been working a lot on softening, on our stops, on building his confidence, and uh, getting him to slow down. Mm -hmm. And slowing down has been huge for him in ways that I didn't expect it to. And uh, I've introduced a backpack to him, right? Like I was asking for help with. And uh, he was very scared of it. But as I got him to touch it and I got him to walk around, you know, with it, and following me while I was wearing it, me taking it on and off, it's built up his confidence of this unknown thing, but it had a side effect I didn't expect, whereas he's like, oh, 
this thing I didn't know about didn't scare me. Maybe other things aren't so bad either. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't expect that so much. I didn't expect it to have such... I think it's also because I took so much time to slow down and work on groundwork and things with him with the backpack that it got him into a slower mindset as well. Absolutely. I think what, and we've talked about this, I'm like, yes, we're, we're training the horse, but you're really being his therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have your deer, you have your Pasofino, and I have my Nakota. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. He does, I mean, he's been, I've jousted off of him. He's done parades. When I worked with Order of Epona, the jousting troop, we did a joust in a zoo. And they said, how is your horse with bears? I said, what? what are you talking about <laughs> and we had to do a parade every day and we went past the bear exhibit and he was a champ he just rolled on through there but horses are very adaptable and i think sometimes they're even better away from home because there's so much stimulus that they just go to your leadership and work right under you now when they're at home they're used to that environment so they will notice every change in their environment um so you know, Remy can be an unconfident guy, had been, you know, 13 or 14 when he was broke initially. Um, he has that very fine line of I'm not confident versus not much work ethic because he also sat on a round bale for 10, 12 years. Why, why does he need to go do something? So I'm constantly balancing, motivating him to work, um, but keeping in check that, you know, just get through it and we'll get through it together and actually enjoy it. Once he actually enjoys it, he's totally fine. But then the confidence thing. And so just like you were saying, when you talked to me about Quattro in the backpack, Matt said, I have this backpack that he's terrified of. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's so interesting. But all we can do is start to make those negative associations now positive ones. So if you are taking a bath, the first time you hop in that bathtub, the water's too hot, you are going to hate taking baths. But if every time you get in the bath, it's, you make sure that doesn't happen, you set it up for success, and then you get a reward somehow, and oh, you finally start to relax, and oh, you got sore muscles, now you can start to enjoy the bath. You have more positive associations than negative ones, you will start to enjoy those things. So. Mm-hmm he was feeding Quattro his grain off of this backpack so he could start to make it a positive association. One just has to outweigh the other. So you just have to keep doing it, keep collecting more positive associations than negative ones. Just like if a child is scared, let's say on a water slide, oh, they have one scary experience. Okay, well now we need a hundred good ones. Let's start small, let's go on the little slides, let's get comfortable, 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 keep getting, keep getting up to then all of a sudden, you won't even remember, you know, having that one bad experience because you've worked up to it. You've, you've made that adjustment. Um, and so being like his therapist that we mentioned earlier, Remy is the same way as it was first about specific objects, but then he started to apply that, that, that effort, that those learned tools he, he gained because he was, let's say, nervous about balloons. And I didn't want to go by him. And then I started doing, you know, positive reinforcement. So when he would approach a balloon, I, I like the clicker. I, the clicker is not yeah. always necessary, but I like it because it gives just that exact timing. Um, and I would click, give him a treat. Pretty soon, you know, I could let him out 
and he could boop, 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 trot up to the balloons all on his own, go touch it. And it became like a game as soon as his confidence started to go up. So then he, I, I think it's, it relates so well to anxiety for people um, because he will now apply that to other situations. He will still be nervous just like us with anxiety. Like I might still get nervous about this situation, but now I have the tools to go through that mental process and start to get over it. So he would see something, get nervous and then go, oh, okay, but if I touch it, you know, I can, I can get a treat. You know, I can't say that's exactly what he was thinking, but those are what we were going for, the associations we were going for. And it started to show in his behavior and I mean, I think that I'm the same way with anxiety as well. I approach a situation that usually causes anxiety. It's a trigger. I can't prevent the anxiety from happening, but I can now use my mental process and the tools and the learning that I've, I've just had and work through it faster and faster every time and start to apply it to more situations. And I, when we talk about Quattro being a big ball of anxiety, <laughs> that's what we're doing. And when we slow his feet down, we slow his mind down and we give him the tools to work through those, those things that make him anxious. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's anything else more you want to add to that, you know him better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, um, he was also always really afraid of water, right? He didn't mm -hmm. like water at all. Uh, to the point where, you know, if he's worked out really hard and it's like, do I rinse him off and put him through that? Or do I just let him go because he's only a little sweaty? Because he would just, he'd be worse after being rinsed because mm -hmm. how anxious he'd be. And uh, it was always such a pain to wrestle him in. But now as we've done more and more, it's actually been the negative reinforcement of me taking the time to brush the water off him because he really likes that. <laughs> so I rinse him off and then I brush him off and he's eventually started going, oh, this isn't so bad. And now it's like, I can just go out there. I don't even attach the rope anymore. I throw it over the uh, side and then I rinse him off. He just stands there and then he waits for me to brush him down because mm -hmm. he really likes that. So. so in all, in essence, horse ownership and, and yours with, you know, your experience with your horse, it's just maintaining a really being able to read the horse. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot going on. And, you know, with anybody trying to have a nice relationship with their horse or a good working partnership, whatever, the, the basis is just being able to read the horse. So you have to study behavior. You have to study, read his expressions. They have more facial expressions than dogs. Read your horse. And it's kind of an experimentation, just trial and error. Um, and that's what Matt's going through right now. He's finding out what the horse likes. And then, you know, just putting the dots together. If I give more of what he likes, he will start to become more confident. If I find the challenges, I address them. And so often we talk about this idea of yin and yang right so you know his woe needs to be like his go his uh what are some other things we've talked about with that uh like we want him to be often responsive mm -hmm. but we want him to do it quietly yes I, that's something we like to call i like to call forward yet quiet <laughs> or mm -hmm. knowing exactly what you want him sensitive to and what you want him desensitized to 
So Quattro has also been so smart that if you ask him to halt, he will stop his feet. And then this is, he's such a sensitive guy. Matt will jump on him and he'll squeal. Or if he moves on him, he'll squeal. I mean, I've never met a horse like this, but I love him. I think he's so fascinating. Um, and so we're like, gosh, you know, he's very intelligent. He's not moving his feet because he's actually focused on the task at hand. But we can tell that he still cares about those external stimuli. And now we're even reading his behavior and going above and beyond that to try to form him into this very relaxed state so that he can be desensitized to the world around him, be desensitized to, and you guys know that when I do trick riding, these horses have to be totally desensitized to what you're doing on them. Like, you got to keep running at the same pace, whether I'm on the side, hanging off the bottom, going underneath, or I'm off the horse, I'm back on you, you know. And so that's what Matt's also been working on too. And it's so great that he's able to just, you got to read the horse and then act accordingly. And if it doesn't work, you got to try something else. Mm-hmm. But you got to, first of all, be able to read. And then when we've been talking about operant and classical conditioning, um, that's your toolkit right there. What is causing some adverse react? you know, reaction, what is the adverse stimulus? And then how do I change that? How do, what psychology, what tactics, what tools can I use to change that? So one of the things that Matt was going to bring today is uh, Quattro's reaction to other people. Matt's done a fantastic job so far, but that's Matt. You know, they're beings. We have a relationship with our horse. We have to maintain a great relationship. And the more intelligent the horse is, like my thoroughbred, you know, I'll hear people say, oh, he's, you know, he's so hard to walk. I'm like, not when I walk him. But he's intelligent enough to know that we, what kind of dynamics in the relationship we have. And then when he goes to another person, that's, they have to develop their own dynamics. That's completely different. So that is now what Matt is working on. Um, tell us more about your experience with that. So we've gotten better overall with people, obviously, because people can walk by him and he doesn't panic, which was where we were at to begin with. But he doesn't like people still. Mm-hmm. So he'll kind of stand there in the cross ties. And uh, when someone reaches out to touch him, he'll do the head shrink thing and take a step back, you know, the clear anxiety. Um, But it has been improving because I've been making sure to always give him treats, give him lots of reassurance. And uh, it used to be when someone was going by, as we were first, you know, getting our bearings with each other, uh, I would make sure to put myself between him and the person carrying the saddle going by or whatever, because that made him feel safer. There is something I trust between me and the aversive stimulus. And then slowly I would start being less protective of him. So I'll stand at your front, but I'm not going to stand right between you and the person. And I'm going to pet you and I'm going to tell you it's okay, but I'm not going to get between you and the thing that's not going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And so he's learned, okay, this isn't going to hurt me as much, or this isn't going to hurt me. This isn't going to, isn't bad even though it's scary right and he's gotten better so he's 
gotten much better about people going by with coats, with saddles, with things like that, but he still doesn't like to be approached. Right. And um, however, as we've been building up his confidence more and in areas outside of the uh, cross ties, he's got, because the arena is a safe place, because he feels like he's doing a job when he's out somewhere or he knows when work is done, he's free to do whatever he wants in the safe space of the arena. He's actually started approaching people a little bit to the point where he walked up to uh, one person and let himself be pet, someone we'd never seen before. That's and that's awesome. the other thing. Like Quattro's been there for six years before I got there or something. And no one had ever really worked with him apart from Crimson using him for behavioral classes to illustrate the difference of uh, behaviors in the passes specifically because Pally didn't care about anyone. Uh, Q bit things, but didn't care about anyone. Uh, Quattro was terrified of people, but then wasn't scared of the things the other two Passos were afraid of because people were what scared him. So, um, I have an idea. I think in that arena with that wall, you guys yeah. should have a big game of whack-a-mole and people just pop up and when he comes <laughs> to them, they give him a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, ha he has to play whack-a-mole and every time he touches someone, he gets a treat. Oh my God. He would, yeah, that, would be, that would be, he would hate that and love that at the same time. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of the things we've done together though, right? So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my goodness, this guy is doing such a good job with this horse that one of the messages I got sent was, I want him to jump over me <laughs> <laughs> and tell the people what Quattro can do now. Oh, he can jump over me. Yeah. <laughs> it actually didn't take that long. I went on social media one day and I was like, wow. And I, you know, and he's a smart horse. So mm -hmm. it's, it's who keeping up with who. It's you keeping up with, you know, knowing what to do next for him or, and then him just you applying it and then results, applying it, boom, results. It's, it's just amazing. Um, and that was one of the things that we were going to talk about today about, like I said, the, the whack-a-mole, or you've already been doing this, um, stimulus blending <laughs> is a method that combines an adverse stimulus with a non-averse one. For example, asking a horse to lower his head by pull of a rope at the same time you blanket a nervous horse. A stimulus such as lowering is asking the horse to relax into pressure, which may help the horse's nerves while the blanket goes on. This method may be, um, effective but still cause elevated stress. It's typically done with negative reinforcement, also known as pressure release. And he knows you. And so you're blending an adverse stimulus, somebody else that would make him nervous with one that he does like, which is you. And that's, I think, a great place to start. And it's just, like you said, putting yourself there with him building his confidence through you and then starting to wean him off of it and such. And actually this, my horse is going through the same thing. This that I wrote about, um, you know, in my blog, I have kind of all the different uh, psychology terms for classical and operant conditioning and the different types. 
And that's exactly what I had to do with Mr. Remy. So this is a good kind of thing to share when we're talking about spooking or having anxiety and classical and operant conditioning. All my horses are different. And this is why we can't be cookie cutter. We just have to educate, be able to read the horse and act accordingly based on the methodology we have that we know works um, based on cognition. And when Fez runs in a ring, he is, if he was to find something he does not like or is not confident with, he tends to find something down on the ring curb and shy away from that particular object. He goes and he sniffs that object. You know, I ground drive him over. He's, he's touching it without me. He's getting a treat. He's, you know, getting positive reinforcement. He gets over it. And I also will do those half turns in front of it, like we were talking about. So the worst thing you, I can do with him is lunge him in a circle in front of that object because he gets to ah, run away and be nervous and then oh, be hesitant as he approaches. He's able to run away and that's allowing that to happen. And then he nervously approaches again. So what I have to do is the half circles. So you get him past the object, he turns and he faces it and he pauses and he waits and he has that time to process and he's not allowed to run away from it. And then again, and again, and that'll get him over that object. Remy, on the other hand, it is not one thing that will bother him. So you can do the same thing. He can approach it, get a treat. He can do half circles in front of it. Doesn't matter. It's not about that object. With Fez, it's about that object and that works. With Remy, it's just generalized anxiety. He sees something, it triggers the anxiety. And so it's, he's not ever spooking at a particular thing. So with him, what he does when he gets that anxiety, it could be triggered by something, but it doesn't matter what it is. He get his head goes up, the, he tucks his butt and he scoots and kind of wants to go forward. And so with him, it's, if, if I work at him dropping his pole, it's instant relax. I mean, it's just like all the horses. What do they do? They head up and then, and that's actually what we were talking about last time. So when you sent me videos, he was so good about standing and then you jumped on him and you moved on him and we know how sensitive he is. He squealed a little bit and the head went up and I said, ha ha, that's it. Look for the head going up. So when a horse is nervous, they tense up and when they relax, they drop it. I mean, I like to think of going on vacation to trail rides and you know those horses when they are dragging their head all the way down at the ground like I mean any average Joe could read that that is a relaxed horse you know and then what do nervous horses do they rear <laughs> they, they get so <laughs> anxious with their head that they even they go up on their back legs so you know that's a very easy indicator to tell uh, I'm anxious I'm relaxed and actually if you lower that pole and you teach them to drop their head they already release endorphins and then what's even better is you can get them to release their head and release endorphins so much that all of a sudden their head's on the ground and then they get a bite of food and then they get a reward at the end of it too it's it's lovely it's easy i love it um but i'm constantly have to encouraging like every time i ride them it's drop your head whew, and then relax drop your head and relax and it's only been a little bit of me, a little, 
just a couple weeks now, maybe a month of rides that I'm just focusing on that and what a difference it's made. But then when I'm lunging him and we're working on like the bareback riding, I'm like how do I get him to drop his head while I'm in the middle of the arena? And actually it's a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I tried to make my own training object. I took a rope over his pole, like a little rope and it had a few knots in it. And then I ran it through the bridle um, to a German martingale. And so when he put his head up, he'd feel the tension on his pole, not his mouth. I wanted it up here. And then he would drop his head and relax into his own pressure release. And I was like, haha, I can do it from the center of the arena. And I used to not be a fan of training tools. I thought it was band-aids, but this one is just operant conditioning right there. It's just mm-hmm. pressure release. And, and it just it's a tool that allows me to do what I plan on implementing, but I can't because I'm in the middle of the arena, not on his back. Um, and then I talked to my friend and she said, oh, you can go buy those. And so I went on Amazon and I bought one. And now it's not like a homemade rope <laughs> over his head. Um, but I think... Quattro could also benefit from focusing a lot on just the head drop, the head drop, and instant release, and then a wait for the endorphins to kick in and for him to, you know, lick and chew. But let's talk about that pause. I know that was something that has helped you a lot, and mm-hmm. something that just helps me get through these times is the, the pause. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh- Slowing down was hard for both me and Quattro because a big thing, like the way that I really learned to work with Quattro was through negotiation. So it's like, what do you want to do today? And we'll figure, I'll figure it out by trying a few different things or seeing how he's, his mood is and reading it. And then we'd go off on it. But that also kind of led to me always wanting to do more because he learned so fast and he was able to do so many things. So it's like, okay, we can do this and this and this. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And he's like, okay, let's keep going because he likes to please. And he, we have that trust between us. And it's, it's really amazing to watch as your horse learns new things, right? Mm-hmm. I think anyone can yeah. relate to that. Is Whether it's something simple or something huge. So... We always, we both always wanted to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think slowing down and taking that pause was harder for me <laughs> than for him because I'd be there like, okay, oh, it's been five seconds. Is that long enough? It's been 10 seconds. Is that long enough? <laughs> it's been 30 seconds. Is that long enough? And that really took me, like it took you reminding me to wait until he licks and chews, until he calms down. It's not just about taking pause and stopping for a moment it's about waiting for that breath right yeah that what and you can see the wheels turning that what just happened yeah. how do i feel about it what's happening now oh it's okay mm-hmm. <sighs> and you know once we start paying attention to that pause and how long it takes sometimes it takes like you said is it, is it long enough sometimes yeah. we put a horse through or a horse will, you'll watch them go through a, a very uh, stressful situation. Like, let's say you walked past a tarp and the wind blew and it flapped and, ah, you know, scooch past. And then if you stop, 
stay near the stimulus. It doesn't do that anymore and just wait. You know, where they're at a distance where they're comfortable, not past their threshold, but mm -hmm. then just wait. Sometimes it's it's really amazing to see how long it actually takes them. But then if you give them those pauses, it actually starts to take less and less time. Mm -hmm. um, but that initial finally watching for it and waiting for it, it's like, wow, I never realized how many things would really stress him out and, you know, what he wouldn't get over on his own. They just kind of like, you know, they're prey animals that are made to be a meal. So they just kind of scooch through life and they're like, oh, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous again. And it, it can be nerve wracking to think that going through life as a horse sometimes, one that does not process things and is very adaptable, um, that, that's a stressful life. Um, and the best thing about taking that pause for him is you're providing him with that chance to relax in his own environment. Um, so when people say, oh, don't, don't work with horses, uh, you know, they'd rather be by themselves. I also think that this is a human run world. And if those horses had to be by themselves, it, they would just live their life in fear all the time. Us doing these things and being their therapist and working with them is allowing them to to be able to go through a human run world with less stress. I think they're, I mean, I don't know if they have gratitude, but I, as you can see them relax through situations, and I mean, horses are so adaptable. We have police horses that walk through the streets totally relaxed. Like you can see it in their face. They're not, you know, they're, they're totally relaxed. And, and same with my horses. Uh, I noticed that moving to the country after a year on tour, you know, they were in the trailer all the time. We were in cities. People were coming up to them, and they were just la la la, like no big deal. You know, the tent's going up. That happens every week. And then they had like the winter off, <laughs> and <laughs> we were up here, like Wisconsin, Minnesota. So it was a quiet, cold winter. And then they, you know, they were circus horses, but they're so adaptable that they adapt to whatever is their new normal. And then I lost. It. I didn't lose it completely, but it was gone for a while. And I said, okay, they have to be in this all the time. We have to maintain this normal. So I put flags in their paddock. They got the radio on. And at first they hear any sight, you know, sudden noise and kind of freak out. Now they got the radio and they're just like, okay, whatever, because they're so adaptable. And I, I, I it's nice if they hear one noise, it's hard to see them stressed out. So I think what we're doing you know, gaining, you know, gaining their intelligence, helping them th move through their new environment and allow, giving them the tools and providing them the tools to be able to think through things and being their teacher, being their, you're almost like a martial arts Zen master for a horse. I think they, I think they need that because now they can be less stressed in, you know, in this world. And it's a human run world. It's not going to change, you know, horses few of them can run free and so we got to provide the best life we can for them while they're here and so you doing what you're doing with Quattro is just enhancing him so much instead of living in fear all the time and you're right he's so smart and you're you're so um you're so committed that you guys have gone really far really fast <laughs> so I will tell everyone at home don't don't practice your horse jumping over you. We, we worked through this on how to do it before he just went off and did it. But he did it. He's got it. Sometimes we, it's that yin and yang. Sometimes we have to 
yes, we're pushing forward, but sometimes we just have to pause and, you know, life is stressful right now. It's okay to just pause sometimes. And actually, you're the one who's reminded me of that. <laughs> I'm saying, oh, I'm going to start a new program and everything. And Matt's like, I can't wait to see what you produce. But at the same time, take your time. There's no rush. It's hard. It, so I can remind you to do that with your horse, but you've been really good at reminding me to do that too. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for getting me to slow down first. Yeah, we could all use it right now. Watch yeah. too, and he's benefited from it. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you would like to ask or talk about? Uh, I think that's a lot of it actually, yeah. Yeah, we dove into a lot of good side stuff here. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so Matt. Thank you so much Matt, <laughs> for talking with us today and hanging out and being the first person on this new video audio uh, conversations. I think, thanks for being the first one. We're gonna keep these conversations going. Hopefully every week we'll be able to interview somebody in the field or talk to horse owners and just have conversations about topics. So today was all about Matt and what he's doing. And he's, again, thank you for being here. You've done a, such a wonderful job and we can't wait to hear more. I can't wait to work with you some more and see what else you've been up to. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.